all that exists right now is right now. Um, and so you can spend right now worrying and obsessing about a state that isn't real, which is the future, which hasn't happened yet, or you can lean into the present moment. Welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Join me, your host, Samantha Nagel, a certified integrative nutrition health coach, poet, witch, and work in progress for grounding meditations, inspiring interviews, and reflections about spirituality, holistic health, and the world around us. Join in every Thursday as we explore what empowered spirituality means to us in today's world. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Empowered Spirituality. I'm so happy to have you back for another solo episode. I took a little break for a while um, with traveling and just busyness in general, um, but I'm glad to be doing this for a little while longer. Um, Today, I'm going to be talking a little bit about how to stay regulated during travel. Um, So if you listened to last week's episode, you know that I just got back from traveling for about 11 days, um, and I'm actually about to like low-key travel to a city right next to me and and house it there for about three weeks, which is really nice. Um, And so I thought, well, I I did a lot of research before going on the trip um, and planned how I can or how I could regulate my nervous system and how to have things with me that would make me feel like comfortable and secure and safe and whatnot. Um, And so I thought I learned a lot and I would love to share it with you. So some of these ideas are ideas that I've seen a lot of other people share, and some of these are ideas that I just came up with or lessons I learned (laughs) um, after having gone through it. I learned a lot from traveling. I'm really happy to be back, but I learned a lot and I had a great time. Um, I talked a little bit more about the lessons I learned specifically in last week's episode. Um, I actually think last week's episode was pretty good. (laughs) Um, I recorded it on vacation. And then uploaded it when I got home, right when I got home. But I re-listened to it just to make sure, because I didn't really remember what I said. (laughs) Um, And I was like, oh, this is pretty good. So if you want to hear more about that, um, I talk a lot about releasing control. And I'm going to talk about that today, too. But I really got into it. And the specific lessons I learned while on vacation and while traveling um, last week. So, but today I'm going to be talking about how we can regulate our nervous systems, how we can create comforts, um, even create comfort in discomfort, (laughs) Um, traveling and being in new places and kind of abandoning your routine takes a lot of courage and takes a lot of, it's different. I'm going to start by, I was nervous and I actually shared with a friend like do you, cause she travels a lot. And I said, how do you like still keep up with your routine when you're traveling? And she said something that really meant a lot to me, which was enjoy this break from your routine. And I thought that was really cool. And I did not like it at first. It's <laughs> like, what do you mean? My routine feels so comforting to me. Um, and I feel like a lot of people can relate, especially if you have anxiety or maybe other trauma. It's like my routine makes me feel really safe and really grounded. And um, I'm pretty reliant on it to be stable and happy and healthy. Um, So I was nervous about like losing that routine because 
I had that narrative that if I were to lose my routine, I would lose that stability and sense of comfort. Um, And she said, lean into this time of not having to follow a routine. Lean into this time of like having a new routine, having fun outside of your routine. This is a time where you can really play. And so I really, really liked that. Um, And I think I would give similar advice, which is to keep aspects of your routine that feel really good, like that are non-negotiables. So for me, my non-negotiable is meditation. But also when I'm home, I do probably much more meditation, more time. And when I was on vacation, I did a lot less time, Um, but it was a non-negotiable that I had to do that every morning. Um, And I noticed the difference really strongly of meditating in the morning and how I would feel the rest of my day, or even how I would feel waking up to the point of meditating. Um, It was so drastic. So that was my non-negotiable in my routine, my morning routine especially. Um, But you might have another non-negotiable. Like yours might be, I feel like my partner's was um, still keeping up with sports because he really likes sports. I feel like that was maybe a non-negotiable for him. He didn't say that, so I'm just guessing. Um, But then also being willing to change it up and being flexible. So (laughs) I have my like morning routine that's pretty, it is flexible, but it looks a certain way. Every single morning happens at the same time. Um, I also know what happens right after my routine. Like I'm very structured which is great, um, but you can't really be structured while you're traveling or when you're with family. Um, You can be, but not as much. So lean into how you're going to, if you want, lean into how you're going to keep parts of your routine, but what parts perhaps you could change up a little bit. So kind of similar to the morning routine, having non-negotiables, like I'm going to meditate every morning, but I'm flexible on how long I'm going to meditate for. And the rest of my routine is like, would be nice, but it's fine if it doesn't happen, Um, is to set some boundaries. So last week, I mentioned an example of asking to take a nap before we continued on with our day. Or if there was something that I really didn't want to do, I wouldn't have done it. Like that would have been a boundary. Maybe a boundary is I have to sleep every night or I don't know. Um. But it's okay to set those boundaries, and you can also practice setting those boundaries. That's actually something really neat that I did with the people I was traveling with, is I said, can we practice saying no? Like, can I practice that on you? And they were like, yeah, sure. And so we role-played, and one of them asked me, like, do you want to go do this? And I, it was like a hypothetical that I didn't want to do. And I practiced saying no, (laughs) Um, and that was really helpful. Um, That might not be as safe with people you're going to be with or situations you're going to be in, but you can also practice on yourself too. You don't need to be reliant on practicing with someone else, but also releasing control, Um, having those kind of permeable, malleable boundaries, especially while on vacation when things are different and you are experiencing differences in your routine. I use the sleep, for example. So it was a boundary of mine that I would get at least seven hours of sleep most nights. But I didn't want those boundaries to be so rigid that if I was having a really good time, that I like I didn't want to cut it off and just like go straight to bed, right? So being malleable with your boundaries at the same time in a way that feels comfortable and safe to you. And I talked about being malleable with boundaries um, 
maybe about a month ago, a month and a half ago, I talked about heart boundaries and how we can practice flexibility and more firmness at times. Um, So allowing your boundaries to kind of ebb and flow with you can be really helpful. I also mentioned this last week, but what was really special was we had a lot of planned things and a lot of those happened and a lot of those were really fun and really fulfilling and really wonderful. Um, And also there were things that we planned that didn't work out. And if we had been, or if I had been really attached to those things coming to fruition, I would have been really disappointed when they didn't happen. But a lot of the times when things that we planned didn't happen how we planned them, something better happened instead. Not even something better, but something happened instead, right? And I had a perspective of such that I could see that as something better. And I really noticed that a lot of a lot of the best things that happened were unplanned. A lot of the little moments were unplanned, right? We plan the big moments, but we often don't plan the little moments. And when we can lean into those as well and release that control, we can experience even more. It might not be good. It might not be bad. It might just be more. It might just be different. We're more open to our experience. Time, that's what I was thinking about too when we were traveling because we left at a certain time and we were only traveling for five hours on the plane. But then we got to our location what seemed like eight hours or something. And so that was really weird. And I noticed going through several time zones in a short period of time, <laughs> time like doesn't really exist. Um, and, <laughs> and that kind of freaked me out for a while. Um, but on a similar note, I noticed that time doesn't, I mean, I'm not the only one who's noticed this, but time doesn't exist, right? The future doesn't exist. The past doesn't exist. All that exists right now is right now. Um, and so you can spend right now worrying and obsessing about a state that isn't real, which is the future, which hasn't happened yet, or you can lean into the present moment. And it was so helpful to have mindfulness on that trip because I could have spent 11 days um, thinking and and planning and and living in the future of what's going to happen next. What are we going to do next? Um, But instead, being mindful and just really absorbing what's happening right now. And I also didn't just do this with the like fun times. Not that it's easier to do that with fun times. There were a lot of times that I was having fun that this thought would pop up. I'm going to be so sad when this is over. Um, Which is kind of funny when I say that again, because it's it is happening, right? I don't have to be sad for when something's over. Um, I can be happy that it's happening right now. Um, or I can just experience what's happening right now. I don't have to put that label of good or bad on it. But also like doing it with the bad stuff too, or not the bad stuff, but the stuff that was maybe more unpleasant. Um, like there was one night we were driving really late and I was getting um, car sick and I was a little bit dizzy and I was really tired. Um, and it would have been easy to be like, you know, when's this going to be over? When's this going to be over? When this is over, I'm going to blank. Um, but instead I told myself this will end, but right now we're here and like, we're just going to sit with whatever feelings arise. Yeah. And it, it did make it easier. It doesn't sound like it would, right? To sit with what's happening would make something that's unpleasant a little bit more pleasant, but it doesn't necessarily make it more pleasant. 
You're just approaching something with that neutrality that we talked about last week. Setting intentions is one of my other tips. This was so helpful. I was able to do this in the plane, on car rides, um, but also every morning. And I would set my, I set my intentions before I left for the trip as well. And so you can do this through meditation or you can visualize your intentions. Um, you can write down your intentions. I also use tarot to kind of help me um, give me some guidance on maybe what my intentions should be. And they were actually quite accurate. and was very sweet to look back on. Um, and I also did this like in small moments, like in the plane, I would set a little intention as we were landing. When I got in the car, I would set an intention for how I'd feel in the car. When I was leaving the car, I'd set an intention. Um, in the morning, I would set my intention. And so the, the interesting thing about what I'm saying is, Setting your intentions is inherently like future-based, um, and that's not super living in the present, right? Because I'm when I'm setting an intention, me, I'm saying today I'm going to blah, 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 or this trip I'm going to whatever. When I'm here, I'm going to blank. When I see this person, I'm going to. My intention is to. Um, that's inherently future-based, um, but I also just said to not focus on the future, and it's also okay to plan. I don't mean that. Um, and it's okay to have a conscientiousness or an awareness of the future and that the future exists in some way. Um, and I was actually like trying to figure out how that could be true. Like how could that be true that setting intentions, which is future oriented, can be so helpful and so nourishing, but also like not paying attention to the future is also so nourishing and so helpful. Like, how can that be true? And they feel different. Like what I'm describing of setting an intention versus planning and worrying and stressing, those are two different things. Um, and perhaps it's the intention that you bring to planning. Um, maybe that's what it is. I was actually listening to Spiritual Shit with Aaliyah Lovely. If you haven't listened to Aaliyah's episode on manifestation and spirituality, I really recommend it because it's so good. But I was listening to her podcast today, um, and it would have been last week's episode <laughs> by the time this comes out. And she talked about the difference because she was like, you can't just never plan. <laughs> she, and I thought it was actually really cool that she was talking about this as I was kind of working through what I was feeling, which is always the case. And I actually haven't, hadn't listened to her podcast in a little while. And I was going on a walk and I was thinking, okay, what am I going to listen to if anything? And it came, I was like, oh, I should listen. I should catch up on some of those episodes. I've missed, missed that podcast a lot. And I've missed her wisdom a lot because she is so wise. Um, and so that was, that coincidentally was her newest episode. So I thought it was really neat that that was the one that I happened to listen to. So cool. And she was talking about like divine timing and how if time doesn't exist, then how can something be divine timing, uh, which I thought was really interesting and we'll have to unpack more with myself later. Um, and she, one of her distinctions was it might matter how you feel in the moment. So when I'm setting my intentions for the day or for the trip, or for the week, whatever, I'm embodying like a spaciousness, a loving energy, a fun energy, a grateful energy. But when I'm stressing and planning, I'm embodying a controlling energy, a stressful energy, um, a chaotic energy. And I think that's what 
the differences between setting intentions and focusing on the future in an unhelpful way. The next thing I want to talk about is ditching the good and bad labels. So this is something that I really talked about in the first episode or last episode, not the first one. Um, The first one where I talked about vacation was ditching the labels of good and bad. Um, And this was just so helpful that I want to say it again. Um, I kind of said it earlier too, that instead of labeling something as good or labeling something as bad, how can we have an acceptance about that? How can we label something as neutral? Or how can we abandon labeling in general? This is really hard. And this is actually something I've been working on for a really long time. Side note, it's 111 when I'm recording. And I've been seeing 1111 or 111. like constantly for the last week. So I just had chills that I noticed that just now. Um, so cool. I don't know the the meanings of angel numbers, but um, I notice I'll pause podcasts or audiobooks at 11.11. Yesterday, my show, um, I was watching The Mindy Project, which I think is so funny. Um, it like randomly stopped and like was buffering. And I looked at the time and there's 11.11 minutes left. So uh, actually, when I was listening to Aaliyah's podcast and the, like, I felt really drawn to look down at my phone. It was eleven eleven. So anyways, ditching the good and bad labels. Um, I use the example of, speaking of coughing, <laughs> of being sick on vacation and how unpleasant that was. <laughs> um, but then how, when I reframed it, like, that's the perfect time to get sick. Like, it's not inherently good. It's not inherently bad. Um, And I think when we can embody that as much as possible, it can really serve us so well. Like, I don't like what's happening. I do like what's happening. Those are really great things to let you know what you would like to see more of and how you would like to have more pleasure and enjoyment. Um, But also, how can you move past those labels of good and bad? How could that be helpful? When would that be helpful for you? Um, Communication. Like I said earlier, I had a really great um, group that I was traveling with, and you might be traveling with not a great group or not like a super safe group, right? Like sometimes when we go see our families, we can't communicate in the ways that we might like, or um, we might be traveling alone. So that communication piece might be a little bit different, but however you can honestly communicate, whatever level that that looks like. I think it's worth exploring. Um, And it's even worth exploring if you feel like you can't be honest. Is that really true? And maybe it is, right? I certainly can see how there are multiple situations where that narrative would be absolutely true. Um, But how could it not be true, right? I shared last week as well that um, I had this narrative that like no one can understand me, uh, which I'm... This is another tangent, but I can be a type four on the Enneagram. <laughs> I'm a type two and a type four. And I like oscillate between the two. Um, a type four is individualist. Um, so it's very like type four thinking. I don't know if you believe in that or not, but um, I tend to think like I'm the only one who can understand what I feel. Um, no one else has ever felt anything like this, which I know is not true, but those are the thoughts that pop up, especially like this person who's never expressed feeling this way will never understand how I'm feeling. 
Um, and that's also something I've worked on in my relationship as well. And <clears throat> I've also worked on how can I come to terms with people don't have to understand me to listen to me or people don't have to understand me to accept me. Um, so if someone doesn't have to have empathy for you, they might not be capable of having empathy where they can imagine what it's like to be in your shoes, but they can accept you. They might not need sympathy for you, but they can have that level of like, oh, I could see how you feeling that way would feel this way. <laughs> or if I felt the way you did, I would feel this about that. Um, or like, I don't understand why you need that, but I understand that you do need it, right? Um, so people don't have to understand you to accept you or listen to you. That's a huge lesson for me. Um, and once I can see, like take away that expected judgment, I find that I can be more open in return. Um, and it takes being brave and vulnerable to try this out, right? Because you don't know how someone's going to react, um, but you can try it out and you never know until you try it out. Right? You never know how receptive someone is going to be or if they're going to be receptive unless you try it out. Um, so things that could be really important to communicate are your needs, right? I need to eat. <laughs> it's a boundary of mine that I do this or don't do this. Um, or just like I'm feeling this way. I want to do this. I don't want to do this. That might not be a hard boundary, uh, but it's okay to voice your opinions too. I remember when I was 15, I was in therapy for the first time, <laughs> not the last, um, uh, and my therapist like somehow introduced a topic that I had a lot of opinions about. So I was like talking, 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 and she was looking at me and she said, oh, you have a lot of opinions. And I felt self-conscious. Like, what does that mean? And she said, no, you just present yourself as being kind of passive and like not having really big ideas or opinions, but you actually have a lot of opinions, don't you? Um, and I was really offended for like three years. <laughs> I thought about that a lot. Um, and I feel like only recently have I understand understood how powerful her saying that was. It didn't have an immediate, I didn't have gratitude for it or a clear understanding of it. Um, but she was surprised that I had opinions and she was saying that she wanted to hear those opinions. Um, and I also have this narrative that people don't want to hear my opinions or people don't aren't interested in what I'm interested in or aren't interested in what I have to say. Um, but that's only because I've never tried or it's only because I feel self-conscious talking about myself or my opinions or my beliefs. Um, I often have this experience that when a friend or family member or person tells me that they listen to the podcast, I'm like, no, <laughs> don't do that. It's just me and my opinions and other people's opinions and my opinions about other people's opinions. Like I feel really self-conscious um, that like someone I know could be listening to my opinions, which is so silly and so interesting. Not silly, but just interesting. Um yeah. And so it's like, it's okay to voice your opinions. One thing that's hard for me is saying where I want to go to dinner. 
I know it's been my problem for years. And it's not that I necessarily have a place in mind that I'm just not saying. It's that I feel uncomfortable making a decision or voicing an option. Um, because like, what if other people don't like it? Or what if, you know, what if we do what I want to do and other people didn't want to do it? Um, like, and also on the other side of that, how many times have I done something I don't want to do, which isn't necessarily bad, right? Like we have to do stuff we don't want to do. And sometimes doing something that we don't want to do for another person is good. Um, but also like, what is good? <laughs> um, but like, how many times have I done something I don't want to do? Like if someone else were to do something like that for me, if they were to eat at a place they didn't want to eat at, but they knew I did, that wouldn't necessarily be bad at all, right? That would just be them like having a, a more well-rounded relationship. I don't know. All that to say, it's okay to communicate <laughs> your needs, your interests, your opinions, and what you want to do and don't want to do when you're traveling. Let's move on. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to get into some more like tangible tips. These were all kind of like mental, ph philosophical tips. I'm going to get into some tangible ones that were really helpful. And these are some that I've heard from other people as well. So packing items that are sacred to you. So this could mean anything. For me, it meant taking my some of my crystals uh, with me um, and maybe carrying them with me or just having them on my nightstand. Um, but your sacred item could be anything to you. It could be anything that gives you, maybe you don't have one, but for me, it was something that reminded me of my purpose, of my intentions. Um, you know, something else I did, I took a picture of the tarot reading that I had for my intentions of which I kind of based my intentions around and I made it my phone background, right? So surrounding myself, like kind of like a traveling altar, that'd be kind of a fun idea to expand a traveling altar. Um, but you can kind of think about what that means to you. And on a similar note is packing comfort items. So things that make you feel comforted and remind you of home that you just like to have around if you have the space. I actually brought a stuffed animal. <laughs> um, and I felt silly doing it. Like I'm taking up kind of a lot of space for this thing that feels silly. But I actually got the stuffed animal for my inner child. Um, it also kind of looks like my dog. <laughs> so it was like double whammy comfort. Um, I just thought like my inner child's coming on this vacation too, right? But <laughs> like she deserves something. She deserves to pack something in this suitcase. So yeah, I'm going to go for it. Um, your comfort item could be anything, could be a book or a candle or a chapstick that smells really good or essential oils. Um, but I find that having those comfort items feel really good, feel really nourishing, and they often come in handy. I often will be like, oh, do I really need to bring this? It's not necessary. Um, but when I do, I find myself going, yeah, that was the right decision. That made me feel really good to bring this thing. I'm really glad I did. Um, <clears throat> and also you're allowed to pack things and have things that aren't necessities. If you have them and if you have that luxury, it's okay. You don't always have to live on what's necessary or not. Um, eating and packing snacks. So eating as regularly as possible is so important. This is going to regulate you in so many ways um, to eat as regularly as you can. And also eating as much nourishing food as you can. So often when you're traveling, 
you're eating a lot of fast food, you're eating out a lot, and that's all good and fine. Um, it's not good or bad. Um, we can often feel the effects of that physically, like bloating and stuff like that, which is why it's nice to counteract those things with foods that you know make you feel really good. So having a salad every once in a while, making yourself a smoothie in the morning if you can, um, perhaps picking your fast food meals in a way that feels like you're not going to be as uncomfortable physically. Um, it's not about weight gain. It's about how you can feel like energized and nourished so that you're not draining yourself quicker than you have to. Um, and that's, that's really what it's about, right? It's for those of us who do get drained by other people or by activities, which is all of us, but I, some of us notice it or are more attuned to it in different ways. Um, travel can be very draining. It's like a lot of moving around. It's a lot of stimulation. It's going from one place to the other in a way that our bodies aren't super used to. Traveling's hard on our bodies and our nervous systems. Um, so if we can intake food that is a bit more regulating or that we know makes us feel good, it can be very important and very helpful and also eating as regularly as possible. And so that's also like a trade-off too. There were times when I was like, you know, should I eat? Should, quote unquote. Would I recommend <laughs> eating beef jerky <laughs> for dinner? <laughs> no, um, not usually. But if beef jerky is like the most nourishing option around me, yeah, I'll have that for dinner because I'd rather eat and have that energy and have that nourishment um, than not have it right? So eating as regularly as you can and packing snacks. So if you're going to be on the road, if you're going to be out and about, having some snacks in a backpack or a purse can be so, so helpful and came in handy with me a lot. So that way you're not, you're not pushing yourself to the edge of your comfort. Um, that was really helpful for me. Similarly, drinking a lot of water. So something I tend to do is not drink a lot of water when I'm traveling because I have to pee all the time right? Like no one wants to get up on the plane and have to navigate yourself back to that little bathroom and stand in the line, which is really uncomfortable because like, are you supposed to stand? Are you supposed to sit down? What are you supposed to do? Um, <laughs> like, or having to find a restroom when you're out and about exploring the town, you have to always be finding a bathroom. But I say that's absolutely worth it because when you stay hydrated, you guys know, it's just so, so crucial and so important. And I think the trade-off of having to use the bathroom frequently is worth, <clears throat> like, is worth that discomfort and that um, inconvenience <clears throat> because, <clears throat> because the other option is to push yourself to your limit and to get dehydrated and to become even more dysregulated, right? So just suck it up and go pee <laughs> if you can. Um, if you take supplements or herbs or teas that are really regulating to you, try and take those with you and still have them. For me, oh, this is actually exciting, exciting time to announce that I um, am now an affiliate salesperson for Sama Tea, S-A-M-A, um, and I actually became an affiliate, mark, affiliate, what is it called? 
person <laughs> with them because of how much I recommend the green tea they have. And I was like, I might as well at least get a commission <laughs> for as many people as I've turned on to that tea. So I became that. So that's kind of cool. I'll put a link to purchase it in the show notes. It's not like an MLM or anything. I just get commission if you buy it from my link. So I'm going to put those in the show notes. Um, but there is one tea that I do really recommend. Um, it's by Sama. It's a green tea and it has raspberry leaf tea, chase tree, and um, shatavari. So it's good if you, I'm actually not sure if that's how you say that. So sorry if that wasn't correct. Um, it's so regulated. It's not advertised as a hormonal regulating tea, um, but it is. It has all the things that you need to regulate your cycle in one tea. So once I found that out, it's been like a crucial part of my routine. Um, and so I made sure that I drank that instead of coffee as often as I could, um, which like does take a little bit of extra work to brew my own tea and to make sure that I am have enough time and space to drink that, um, <laughs> enough time and space to inevitably pee after that. Um, but I think that was super regulating because I started my period um, in the travel process and being home for the first few days, I'd been on my period. And I was really anticipating that this bleed would be really intense um, because of all the dysregulation I experienced with travel. Um, but it hasn't been. It hasn't been really intensely heavy and it hasn't been intensely painful. Um, I feel like it's actually been better, which is really surprising. Um, and I think that part of that is because I kept up on my routines. Um, which is like supplements or medications or whatever that makes me feel really regulated. So that's a really great, um, if you're used to drinking teas or taking herbs or whatever, and if you can continue that while you're on vacation, why not? Getting enough sleep. I kind of mentioned that earlier. Um, kind of maybe goes without saying, um, but the days where I pushed myself, um, were really challenging push myself on sleep are really challenging. The days where I was able to feel well-rested, I felt really nourished. And also that could look like getting naps whenever you can. Um, yeah, just sleep in general. I feel like that's self-explanatory. All right, the next tip is having headphones and or, um, what are they called? Earplugs um, to use when you're traveling or when you're trying to sleep or when you're resting. Oh, these came in so, so much handy. I don't know how to say that. They came in so much handy, so handy. I don't know. They were very handy <laughs> to have with me. Um, and I recommended this before. Um, I did an episode on like living a, a lower stimulation lifestyle um, and having headphones and earplugs were on that list too for a reason. Um, so I actually have noise canceling headphones, which are an investment for sure. So you know, I understand if that's not something you can afford. Um, and actually they weren't something that I would ever spend my money on either. Um, they were a gift, but after experiencing the like relief <laughs> that they offer, I definitely would recommend them. Um, if you have the funds for them, I'm typically like a frugal person. So I don't like to spend if I don't have to. Um, but if I were to do it over again, I would buy them sooner. 
um, because they block out so much noise stimulation. And if you're someone who does get overstimulated through noise, being able to block some of that out is so, so helpful. I've experienced so much relief because of it. But you can also do that with just regular, regular headphones and play some relaxing music. Um, I've also found relief with that. You can still hear the outside sounds, um, but it's like coded in that soothing music or that soothing experience. Um, and it's also kind of feels like you can go into your own world, even if they're not noise canceling. You can like take time for yourself. You can listen to things that you're interested in. You can play a meditation or whatever. I find that really helpful. Um, and the earplugs were so helpful, not super environmentally friendly. Um, <clears throat> I bought a pack of them, which was a really bad idea because now I have a lot of like things I don't need, like a lot of unnecessary waste. So there are options to just buy the two and that seems nice. Um, and to try and reuse them as much as possible would be a good idea, uh, but it's just so helpful. Um, and I would also put in my earplugs, like, in the car, uh, when I needed them. Like, it's okay to do that, too. It's okay to pop in your earbuds whenever you need them, if you have them with you. Um, I would do that in the bathroom, too. There was one restaurant that we visited, and I've done this just at home, too, that was, like, really a lot. It was, like, more of a bar. And I went in the bathroom, and I put on my, um earbuds and I listened to one song that was the EMDR music that I've mentioned before um, <clears throat> and like felt more regulated and then I took them out and went out of the bathroom. Nice little, no one knew I did that, uh, but now they do. <laughs> um, having blue light glasses and or sunglasses. So this is really great to help reduce the amount of visual or light stimulus that you can get um, if you're someone who gets overstimulated with more visual or lights that can be really helpful. I actually was not a sunglass person before going on vacation and now I am. <laughs> like I wear them pretty much anytime I leave the house um, for lots of reasons. Um, I don't love like eye contact with strangers. I actually mentioned that in my energetic boundaries episode that I mentioned earlier, the heart boundaries and energetic boundaries episode. Um, that I don't recommend making eye contact very much <laughs> um, if you get overstimulated or if you um, kind of absorb other people's energies. Uh, I found that to be really helpful because then it was like easier to not meet their gaze. Um, I would intentionally not meet their gaze a lot of the time, but feel weird about it. And so having sunglasses was a little bit of a barrier that no one quite knows what I'm looking at <laughs> behind those things. And it also cuts out a lot of the lights, a lot of sunlight, which can be kind of draining over a long period of time if you're out and about. Um, it can give you just like a sense of privacy to check out too. Um, one way to regulate is to just kind of stare out into space and look at nothing and just kind of numb out a little bit. Um, and with sunglasses on, you can do that and no one knows you're doing it quite as much. Um, and blue light glasses, super helpful for me. I'm not sure like the, the efficacy of blue light glasses. Um, I have a feeling that they don't work as much as we say they do, but that's also just a feeling. I don't know if that's true, but I use them. I'm wearing them right now. Um, cause I'm like, why not? <laughs> if they, if they don't work, they aren't hurting me. And if they do work great. Right. So if you happen to know the like, scientific, science, science 
behind that. Let me know. Um, but yeah, super helpful when I was watching TV or in stores, um, like can help cut out on that, like really heavy fluorescent light. That was really helpful. Another idea would be to wear a hat. I did share these tips, but I'll share them again to wear a hat um, with a visor so that you can't see the overhead lights quite as much. And it's a bit more, has that like that protection aspect as well so that people can see you just a little bit less. Then also wearing a mask too. Like I think it's a good idea for COVID and for your health when you're traveling to wear a mask. But also it provides like that added le level of protection. So I find it can be really regulating. You can also do more things with your breath and it can be more regulating. Um, yeah. Um, carve out time to regulate, right? So that kind of goes back to the non-negotiables of your routine or your morning or whatever. Um, having time to regulate. That could be a morning meditation practice or breathing, could be going to the bathroom and breathing like I suggested when you're getting overwhelmed. Um, but it could also be like asking for a nap, taking a walk. Um, and to do that, you will have to have some communication, right? Um, if you're traveling with like your family, um, you're going to have to say something to get that regulation time. Um, you don't necessarily have to say I'm feeling overstimulated or I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling unregulated. You can just say like, I'm going to go for a walk. And that's, that's that. You don't have to get into why. You can say, I'm going to take a nap. You don't have to say that you're meditating. You don't have to say why you're taking a nap. You don't have to say why you're taking a shower or whatever that looks like, um, but just carve out that time for regulation. And actually, this is a great time to bring in the window of tolerance. Um, so I actually want to do a whole episode about this, so I'm just going to touch on it. Um, but this really, really helped me as well. So you may have heard of this as the comfort zone or the growth zone or the stress zone. So a lot of coaches will use that model um, when they're working with clients, it's kind of like a trauma safe, trauma safer way to work with clients, especially if you're a coach and not a therapist. So the comfort zone, I've seen this as a circle. The comfort zone is green. You feel easy, good, whatever. The next ring is your growth zone. So you're starting to get a little uncomfortable, but you're also learning. This could also be like your learning zone. And then outside of that is your stress zone or your panic zone where you shut down and you stop receiving information. It stops being, it stops like challenging your perspective and starts being harmful or disassociative. Um, but the model I like a little bit more is the window of tolerance. So you can imagine that like a three level cake <laughs> and the middle layer, which is probably like sweet and creamy <laughs> is the optimal zone of arousal, your window of tolerance, your comfort zone, your ability to self-soothe, all that stuff. So very similar to your comfort zone in the other model. Um, this is a place where you feel regulated, you feel calm, you feel collected, you feel connected, you're having fun, it feels easy. And then there's kind of a smaller, okay, no, and then right above that, the, the top piece of cake would be your state of hyper arousal. This could also be your fight or flight response. In this area, your 
sympathetic system is activated. Um, you might be feeling anxious, overwhelmed, having like kind of aggression, anger, irritability, feeling really rigid, feeling feelings of like compulsion, um, intrusive thoughts, um, impulsivity, kind of in that range. Um, your cognitive processing is a little bit disorganized. Also, no new learning can take place, take, can take place <laughs> in this place. <laughs> Whoa. Um, so that's hyper arousal. That's also reaching the panic zone or the stress zone, but it's in a state of hyper arousal. And then the bottom layer of cake is a state of hypoarousal, and that's also the freeze response. That's your parasympathetic nervous system that's activated. Um, you're really disassociating. You're having decreased heart rate. Um, you're having decreased blood flow. Um, you're not super present. You're unavailable. You're shutting down, maybe getting fatigued to the point where it doesn't like necessarily match like, it's not being tired. It's being very, very fatigued. Um, like, not having a super firm grasp on your memory. Um, <clears throat> isolation, withdrawal, being numb. Um, kind of going on autopilot in a way that's not super helpful. You're not displaying a lot of emotions outwardly. So that's also a state of stress or panic in that circle. Um, but this is a state of hypo-arousal right? Um, <clears throat> so we want to be in the middle zone, in our comfort zone. And there's also like tiny little windows between tolerance and hyperarousal and between tolerance and hypoarousal. And that, I call it the edge. I'm sure someone else has called it that too. Um, they're also like just smaller windows, um, right? When I get to my edge, um, I'm like, if it's hypoarousal, I feel tired, like more tired than makes sense, but I'm not like shutting down. Um, I'm feeling suddenly I don't really want to talk very much. Um, I'm wanting to go inwards. I'm spacing out, like I said, a bit more. Um, and that just lets me know, oh, I'm reaching my edge on the hypoarousal side. So it's time for me to regulate back up to my window of tolerance, right? Or my edge for hyperarousal means starting to get agitated, sounds sound really loud, or loud sounds are really irritating, no, um, lights are getting brighter, um, I'm like my heart's, I'm not having an anxiety attack, but I'm getting more anxious, um, something like that. I'm getting, yeah, I was going to say agitated, but I already said that, irritated, um, and that just lets me know, oh, I'm hitting that edge towards hyper arousal, I need to regulate down to my window of tolerance, right? And so regulation looks like mindfulness, coming back to the present, grounding exercises. There are a lot of grounding exercises that you can do, a lot of nice somatic stuff that you can do to reconnect yourself with the body, um, starting to self-soothe, calming the body, um, starting to work through emotional regulation, however that looks for you, um, tuning into your breathing, um, reframing thoughts, um, taking some time away, right? Um, removing yourself from situations that make you feel hyper aroused or hypo aroused, dysregulated in general. Um, so an example of I was feeling hyper aroused when I was in that bar 
I wasn't to the point where I was completely outside of my window of tolerance, but I was at the edge for sure. And if I had stayed there and if I had continued sitting there and like getting more and more anxious, I would have become hyper aroused and I would have been completely outside of my window of tolerance. And for me anyways, when I get really outside of my window, um, it's really hard to regulate. Like it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and I like might feel funky the next day, right? So for me, it's really important to honor my edge and come back to my window. Um, and that's when I went to the bathroom, I put in headphones, I like was able to calm down and regulate. Um, I've also gone outside before. <clears throat> I've asked to leave before, like, hey, I know we're having fun, but can we leave or I'm going to head out early, whatever that looks like. Um <clears throat> Hypo arousal for me can be a little tricky. Mindfulness and coming back to my body is is really crucial because you're in that freeze response. So coming back to a feeling of safety in the body can be really helpful. Also, like grounding meditation stuff can be very helpful. Um, yeah, it's important to recognize these states before, like I said, they get really outside of our window. Um, so that's really helpful for you to perhaps reflect on before going on travel. Um, like when, what triggers me into feeling really into my fight and flight response? What triggers me to go really into my freeze response? What keeps me in my comfort zone? Where's my growth and learning zone? Where's my stress zone? Right. These are all really nice things to reflect on, not even for travel, but for our life, knowing what triggers us to feel funky, <laughs> not even just like disassociating, but just off is really helpful because then we know, oh, hey, that triggers happening. That's why I'm reacting like this. Okay, cool. I can take away the judgment. I can take away the fear. I can take away the narrative and I can just go, oh, okay, like what should I do next? Right. Um, so part of your regulating time is to regulate yourself back to your window of tolerance or to extend your window of tolerance, um, which you do typically over a, a period of time, right? When we experience a trauma or something else similar, um, our window of tolerance can often get smaller. And so we get thrown into dysregulation a lot easier because of our smaller window of tolerance. But the more that we practice mindfulness and self-care and nourishing nutrition and exercise, movement, um, we can start to expand that window of tolerance. So that's also what you're doing with those periods of regulation is just because you're not dysregulated when you wake up in the morning, meditating after you've woken up expands that window of tolerance so that you can feel even better throughout the day. Um, but I'll have to do another episode about that because I think that would be really helpful. My last tip is remember that you're human, even on vacation or even while traveling or even with, with even when with family, even when you're having fun, even when you're not having fun, right? Actually, all these tips I went through something in November with my family um, that was really challenging. Um, it was like tragedy emergency kind of related, and it was really tough. And these were all tips that were really helpful um, during that time, too. I should have said that at the beginning, but that's okay. <laughs> um, anyways, but remember that you're human. 
So I had this really sweet friend, my best friend, who's been on the podcast. She did the episode about honoring the earth, I think it was called. Something something around those lines. You could find it if you wanted in season one, towards the end. Um, I was like, well, I'm nervous because what if I get sad? Because I, I had been having a really hard time, like, right up until going on vacation. So I was like, what if my mental health gets worse? What if, like, what if we get grumpy with each other? Like, what if... Because I had never been on a vacation like this with anyone that I traveled with. I was like, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like. What if we get grumpy? And she just said, like, okay, and? I was like, well, and it would be bad. <laughs> and she was like, why? Um, and at first I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> but then she said, like, what if you're sad on vacation, Sam? What if you are? Like, isn't a vacation to reset. And if you're sad on vacation, that's what you needed to reset yourself, right? Um, And she said, if you're grumpy on vacation, like, (laughs) this is what she said, they've literally made whole movies where the plot line is that everyone's grumpy on vacation. They've made countless movies. And that's the whole point. (laughs) She said, people get cranky on vacation. It just happens. Um, I thought that was really wonderful that it was like, yeah, whatever happens, happens like you're human. And I thought about that with getting sick too. Um, like, yeah, I was, I was going with the intention to rest and reset and recalibrate and like kind of learn new things and experience new ways of living. Um, and like if getting sick is part of that natural process of resting and resetting, like, okay, that's what's going to happen, right? If being really sad on the beach is what needs to happen for me to reset and feel like nourished and renewed, then okay, that's what's going to happen. If I'm cranky, okay, that's what's going to happen. I think it's again, labeling, removing that label of good and bad and just being like, oh yeah, I'm human. This makes sense why I would feel this way. This makes sense why they would feel this way. Um, yeah, really helpful thing to remember. Um, I actually had one more thing I wanted to say, but I forgot what it was. I remember (laughs) it actually wasn't about uh, travel. It kind of is, but, um, I've noticed this, which is that I had a lot of lessons and realizations, um, that I have shared, um, last week's episode, um, that felt like really good. And I've noticed that this week being back, not that I feel bad, but I feel, look how easy it is to say good and bad. It's so interesting. My mentor who first taught me that, um, she would say, should ask the group, how's everyone feeling? And if people said good or bad, she was like, that's not a feeling word. Like, how are you feeling? I want a descriptive word because good and bad doesn't necessarily, like sad isn't bad. Uh, content isn't good. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, I notice I'm feeling like really sluggish and that could be partially my menstrual cycles here. That could partially be because of the menstrual cycle that I'm experiencing. Um, But I think it's also like an integration time, right? Like I had a really great time. I learned a lot. I realized a lot. um, And I, I forgot, I forget every time that we need a period of integration where we like need to slow down so that all the stuff that we've cognitively processed can like catch up to us on a physical energetic level too. It's like, um, 
you know in Scooby-Doo <laughs> when they like jump up and then they run with their legs and they like go forward? I am trying to like picture that. That's like, like sometimes you take off running and then you need to like catch up to that running. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know. That's not really about travel necessarily, but um, just like maybe a note that applies to me, but might apply to you and where you're at as well. Okay, I hope you found this episode helpful for travel or for any time where things are different, how to handle changes in your routine um, or how to go with hard times in your life, honestly, how to process being overstimulated, how to stay in your window of tolerance. We talked about quite a lot, so I hope you enjoyed and I hope you found it useful. Until next time, thanks.